So hi, Mark. Welcome back. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It was a really good chat last time, so happy to be here. Yeah, and after the conversation, I uh, try now to Google you. And what I found, you are one of the committers or maybe even initiators of the um, Lambda Power Tools project. Yeah, so it has uh, come out from some of my colleagues. So it's all been written by um, you know, people in the same job family as me, people who work with customers uh, every day. Mm-hmm. But are you know typically programmers who are now more architects, but uh, still enjoy programming a lot. So it's been a, an interesting project to, to kind of help us get back into doing some more day to day programming. Okay, so when when the project was initiated? Oh gosh, I think it must be over a year, maybe eighteen months now. Oh. And it actually started in the in the Python space. So one of my colleagues. Um, a fantastic person called Hater Lesser started uh, a Python version, and it was really, really successful. Um, and I, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about a bit about that uh, later. But we saw um, how useful it was with uh, working with customers. And myself uh, and another person at AWS decided that we would love to, you know, bring the same sort of functionality to Java. Uh, and that's yeah. I think it's been over over a year now. Maybe I think it was maybe October. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe fourteen months old now. So the question is now. Um, so I look at the project, and uh, so far all my Java, AWS, Lambdas were more or less were more or less uh, vanilla. So there was no you know external dependencies. I just tried if I had something with AWS SDK. So no. What is actually the added value of of? There's I already see there are there are several. I would modules and the names are cloud formation, core logging, metrics, parameters, SQS, for instance, test suite, tracing, and validation. I, I think these are the major use cases, right? Yeah, absolutely. So Power Tools is a collection of, of client libraries. So it's a set of utilities to help customers with the most common uh, Lambda um, patterns. Uh-huh. So the mo- most common like problems that people have with programming, and we're we're trying to take some of the best practice that we've seen, uh, and then bundle it together, and then produce it as an open source uh, library, um, and then yeah, help people to kind of reduce having to you know code things over and over again. Uh, I guess just like everybody. Um, so yeah, we started with uh, three core modules, and these were the the three most common topics that we had when we spoke to customers. Uh, Customers would ask us how to do logging, how to do tracing, Mm -hmm. and how to do custom metrics. And they would come up time and time again. So those were the things that we focused on first. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that is often a very different uh, thing for Lambda and cloud-native applications. So we really focused on uh, each one, and we thought about, you know, what is important about uh, each of those subjects. So for logging, for example, um, the PowerTools logging module produces um, structured logs. So all of the logs are produced as uh, JSON format. Mm-hmm. And then we add, uh, hopefully, some additional value by adding uh, the ability to uh, add some of the Lambda context. Okay. So automatically adds uh, some information about the Lambda that it's running in. Um, 
but you can also add your own annotations or your own uh, uh, entries to that log format. So maybe it's the customer ID that you're working on, or maybe it's the order ID that you're processing. And then all of the logs are produced with those IDs in. Um, and then the hope being that then that is much easier for you to search with tools like CloudWatch uh, Log Insights mm -hmm. to then find uh, the particular order request that you were looking for, or you know maybe there's been a problem and you have to hunt down you know what's happening for a particular request. You've got all of the information there. It's all easily searchable and fast to find. Uh, question regarding uh, structured logging. So I get a question also from from my customers and clients, and um, I did some experiments. And actually, CloudWatch is good enough, you know, to parse unstructured data. It is a little bit slower. This is my impression than with JSON. But uh, we could actually, you know, raise alerts and 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 in, and, and and read, you know, the just and reasonable, right? So and without JSON. So I think structured logging. Maybe you refer to JSON, and we were somehow structured, but not JSON. It's just you no know, one system of print and logging. So yeah, absolutely, it, it will it will absolutely help with that. Uh, I guess the it's just the it's the ease of which you can. Uh, query that data. So with structured logging, it just makes it, I guess, a little bit easier to to write something that looks quite like SQL, and you know you can you can pull out all of those logs specific to whatever parameters that you're interested in. So yeah, absolutely, CloudWatch Insights will help you with unstru unstructured data. Um, you just probably need to put in a little bit more effort into writing the queries correctly. Okay. For me, it was really almost no difference. So, um, it, you, I could actually, you know, query. There was, I, I don't know what's the name of the CloudWatch query is, whether there is a name, but everything worked just fine. Of course, with a structured query, uh, it is a lot faster. For um, I don't know, as a, as a CloudWatch is very good in, in you know in, in in reading JSON, but uh, this is what your your clients ask you. So they said, okay, uh, we cannot find our logs, or what was the problem in CloudWatch? So uh, you know, or was it just uh, Nice yeah, I, I guess you know when when people are trying to debug uh, issues, it is hard to you know trace down the correct set of logs, uh, and also it becomes a developer uh, kind of what's the word um, uh, best practice, or you know how how do you encourage people to to include the correct amount of data to do. Uh, logs that are meaningful and and easy to uh, debug later on. Mm -hmm. So we think that this client allows, or you know, this client side library allows customers to be able to produce um, best practice logs so that okay. they are able to to debug things uh, fast and efficiently. So I'm with you. So and so what you what you did, you also know saying, okay, these are the parameters which are crucial for logging, right? And this is what yeah. we had to invent by ourselves. True. So what yeah. we do, you have an interface and they say, okay, you know, these three or four parameters are crucial. You have to provide them. Otherwise, okay, this is meaningless. Of course, if we just say, you know, use system out print line, then the developers could write whatever they like and then you will won't find anything there. So, um, okay, so I got you. So, so you are not only, you know, this is not just a logging framework because what we do on Lambda uh, we are just writing, you know, to system out print line, basically, right? So to 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 standard. Yes. Out. Yeah, yeah, and this continues to print to standard out. Mm -hmm. It's just a, it's a uh, a wrapper uh, around log4j and helps you to produce um, 
you know, meaningful, uh, hopefully what we think is uh, best practice logging um, and help you to do that in a, in a, in a good way where we're hoping just uh, to ease, ease the burden a little bit. But I think the size of the thing is uh, just looking on the palm. That's the first thing I'm, I'm doing. And um, it comes with, uh, uh, okay, you need Jackson. But I think Lambda uses JSON, right, behind the scenes? Uh, Lambda actually uses both dependent on, on the, re the request that comes in. Okay. So, yeah. Because I already wondered, because uh, there's the JSON with Google... This JSON and the the Jackson and I thought okay the Jackson comes from from my libraries but um, okay um, and uh, there yeah, is a lo log for J why you need log for J uh, so we we found that uh, we asked our customer base and the majority of people were using log for J so we wanted to make it a really easy um, migration so if you are if you're using log for J at the moment which a vast amount of people are mm -hmm. uh, it's a very easy migration path to to go from just using Log4j to using Power Tools logging. Yeah. And it's nicely documented. So I'm already on the page now, Lambda Power Tools for, for, for the homepage about logging. And um, yeah, looks nice. So the first was logging. So what I understand, because logging is what, you know, every project usually starts. <laughs> There are lots of, yeah. you know, opinions about loggings. But what you also have, you have metrics and the metrics I absolutely see the point. The problem is yeah. what we can do in in Lambda. This is maybe interesting. So it's not obvious. If you um, package a Quarkus application as a Lambda, so it is exactly the same code as Quarkus outside Lambda. So it's a microprofile with you know JAX-RES interface. And what we can do in microprofile, we can put annotations like you know counted or or timed. But the problem is the metrics are stored in memory. Which is great, but on lambdas it doesn't. It, if you if you are lucky in tests, it, it could even work because you will you know always come back to the same lambda. But under load, you get lots of parallel lambdas, so the metrics won't work anymore. So you cannot rely on scraping. Um, yeah. So we need something different. And um, yeah. what uh, it's interesting what you did. So uh, the, how your metrics are working? Yeah. So our, our metrics um, use again CloudWatch. And what we were finding was people were using a API call to CloudWatch, which is called uh, Put Metrics, mm -hmm. and this is a synchronous call that you can make to CloudWatch. Which, uh, if you're familiar with Lambda, is is bad for a, for a couple of reasons. One, you're paying uh, a price for the duration of your Lambda function. So whenever you make a synchronous call, you're you're paying uh, a tax. Or the, the duration of that of that call. Now you know these APIs aren't, aren't long, but depending on what what metrics you're pushing, obviously that has a that has an impact, and um, that's something that we want to reduce. So what Power Tools uh, metrics does is it uses a an asynchronous method of uh, communication to CloudWatch, and this is uh, using a a little known um, a system called Embedded Metrics Format, uh, or CloudWatch EMF for short. And what happens behind the scenes is a specific JSON structure is logged to standard out. And when that is seen in CloudWatch, CloudWatch knows 
to take that JSON structure and turn it into custom metrics. So one, uh, this is all asynchronous. So your Lambda functions run for a shorter period of time. Uh, and two, you're not paying for the API call uh, that you would make to CloudWatch API. So we find that this is this is a win-win situation for, for virtually all Lambda, Lambda customers. Um, and again, Power Tools Metrics takes that EMF uh, structure, which is not the most friendly uh, JSON structure, and turns it into a, a Java client library. So that it's much more more easy to use and and that handles the, the, the Lambda programming model a bit more efficiently. So after the end of each invoke, um, we know that the Lambda function has returned and that we can flush the metrics straight to CloudWatch so that you get the metrics as soon as possible. Yeah, that's interesting because um, I used the EMF indirectly with uh, the uh, Prometheus agent for CloudWatch. I think this is the proper name. And uh, um, this was on Fargate, so we had uh, more traditional serverless applications. So we're still Quarkus, but uh, not Lambdas. And we had exactly the annotation. So it was like lift and shift. So we used, you know, we had an old um, non-cloud environment and we put it to on, on Fargate. And then the agent just scraped the Quarkus. And the interesting part is it uses, you know, the... Uh, Fargate for to discover you know where where the workload is 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 running, and the agent writes the EMF, and the uh, and what uh, uh, EMF entries and, and the interesting part is um, they just appear immediately as a metrics in 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 CloudWatch. So you know you click on the link and uh, you can create very easily your own dashboard, and this was the easiest possible integration which worked great. And what I already did, I look at the EMF, say, cool, now, now we can write our own metrics very easily, and it's already done in the power tools. So, yes. uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's a very lightweight. All of the all of the work that we do in power tools all has um, a specific set of tenants that we, that we try and live by. Uh, and part of that is that this library is specifically built for Lambda. We don't target any other uh, compute platforms. So we don't target Fargate or, or anything else. This is just specifically for Lambda programmers to build the best um, that they can. Uh, and again, another another tenant that we have is to keep things lean. So where, where possible, we'll always choose the leanest method because we know that's really important to our customers and make sure that everything is is as lean as, uh, as practically it can be. And... How big is it? So, uh, if you if you add, you know, the lambda, let's say logging uh, or logging tracing and metrics, seems like uh, a common setup. Um, how much code is it? Is it like one meg? Or <laughs> you you totally caught me out there. I actually don't know. This would be uh, what what I will do the first, you know, <laughs> on my AWS yeah. environment. You know, just uh, put it to to Maven, create one jar, and see how big it is. And if it's too big, then I I, I would try to slim it down. Or do something about that. Yeah, I think I think uh, file size is, is definitely uh, a good uh, metric to look at and be aware of, but it's not always uh, everything. So it will depend on on how the how uh, the code is written and, and what exactly is happening. So um, I wouldn't always worry too much about the file size, mm -hmm. um, but but how things are written as well. So this is. Um, all done with ahead of time um, 
tooling. So there is no um, like runtime or reflection used. Okay. Um, so we are really trying to build something which um, you know does not add much overhead at all. So you really uh, the the how how you developed that it was without reflection, easy code. You know, it's yes. like okay, this is that this is actually great because if we just you know load all the libraries from outside and and hope it will work, yep. usually it will be really slow. Yeah, so you know the code that we've written, you know, it's not a it's not a large library. We we are standing on the giants of some other dependencies, absolutely. Um, but but the code that we've written is is as lean as we can make it. It's all ahead of time compilation. Ah, story to tell. It was last year. Someone approached me and said, "Okay, Java is unusable as Lambda." Say why that? And show me a code. This was just one line, like "Hello world, log hello world." And I ask, "Okay, what is behind the log?" And it turned out uh, 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 he found a several libraries. There was everything, you know, the old Java logging ecosystem inside the Lambda. And this was huge. And it took, no kidding, like five seconds to execute. And I said, okay, this is a crazy, why? And I say, okay, why is Lambda so sensitive? I just added like five dependencies and it became to be you no know, slow. And I said, okay, but, but why you need, you know, your entire framework with uh, three abstractions and, uh, and why you're doing this, right? And uh, this was an interesting conversation because uh, he also uh, uh, showed me some Python code, which was, of course, reasonable. It's not like in Python that there was no counterpart of, of Python logging frameworks. Like, okay, you cannot just compare you know, Java with entire logging history performance with Python with nothing. I mean, and when then do you know system out print in Java with uh, Python uh, console out? So I'm really sensitive about logging because uh, logging, caching, and configuration is very popular in, in Java projects. And configuration is, is another project that we have. Well, maybe not configuration, but secrets management. So often ah, mm -hmm. you need to access uh, secrets to you know make database connections. And obviously AWS has a number of different services that can be used mm -hmm. for secrets management or configuration management. So we've created a, uh, a module called Parameters And that has uh, an interface over a number of different uh, services that can be used to do configuration or secrets management. Um, so that is a nice way uh, to handle uh, database connections or, you know, maybe it's a secret to, uh, to another API or maybe it's just uh, you know, environmental specific configuration that you want to pull in at runtime. Yes, what's also nice, uh, look at, at uh, the documentation right now. So there, uh, you even support SSM, the uh, parameter store, seems like, right? Yes. And parameter store is somehow um, widely underestimated. So it's a great, great service where you can globally you know, uh, store some configuration, which is access accessible from everywhere. And what parameter store also provides is encryption. Yes. So you can even have encrypted configuration from Parameter Store, so you don't have to use uh, Secrets man Manager uh, uh, all the time. Is there actually a performance difference? If you, if I, I, I'm you now calling from Lambda Parameter Store or uh, what they are supporting Secret Manager, I guess, and uh, KMS maybe as well. So uh, is there any performance differences you you found or? Uh, not that I find. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if you're, if anybody finds that, I would be interested in knowing. Okay. I, I don't think it would be, you know, encryption is something that is so uh, pervasive in in AWS. It, you know, everything is is encrypted. 
So I, I wouldn't expect there to be any particular issue with that. So I just look at the code, and the code is this is under utility, but it's really nice. So it's like the you know the yeah. lambda lambda way. It's like a parameter store <laughs> is SSM provider dot get, you know, to the point, and you get uh, and with uh, and then um, exactly get multiple um, get string secrets provider gets. So I, I would say this is what I see. Th this will save me a lot of time. Yeah, and would you you know how do you typically do caching? Would you always pull down um, parameters on every request? Because that's something that we've also uh, tried to help with. So we we allow customers to, to cache values so that they don't have to make requests to SSM or Secrets Manager each time. We allow people to set default ages so things can expire. So we think it's really good and we think it will probably help not just with uh, simplicity of programming, but probably people are requesting uh, secrets each time, uh, a bit of caching will probably actually improve performance quite a lot. So you are caching in the temp folder or where are you caching or in static? Uh, just in memory. In memory, yeah. okay. This is um, what happens in my projects automatically because uh, if a Lambda, uh, so yeah, have two kinds of Lambdas. So if it is, uh, looks like a Java application, which is uh, JAXRS or the fully asynchronous Lambda. And the uh, JAXRS Lambda, what usually happens, all the classes are singletons anyway. So this is like application scoped Quarkus. And uh, the injections, injection of secrets and, uh, and configuration happens via microprofile config. So if you add inject something, it is cached by default. Or if you would like to have a fresh token, then you have to do something about that and you are injecting an instance of the thing. So, um, yeah. so I mean, the caching is... Is solved by default in the more in the synchronous uh, lambda, which is uh, called by uh, REST and HTTP gateways, and uh, or uh, load balancer, and the um, asynchronous lambdas. Uh, we don't use any frameworks there, so um, I'm still thinking about you know, in uh, plain asynchronous lambda, we could use Quarkus with full dependency injection, and Quarkus is lean enough. There's no reflection, nothing, so there will be no performance Im impact. But right now, I'm experimenting whether you know plain Pojo without nothing, maybe. Power tools from Lambda, or we really need to know dependency injection there. So this is no uh, unsolved, you know, best practice. Yeah, yeah, that'd be really interesting. I'd love to love to hear your feedback on that. And then the the other kind of core utility that we were <laughs> always asked about was was tracing. So if you're if you're looking at the tracing space for for AWS, you you're probably looking at X-ray. I'm mm -hmm. um, probably considering that along with some others. Um, so again, we, we've kind of looked at the, the X-ray API and looked at how we can improve, improve on that and make it a bit more Java specific. So we've added, uh, annotations again. It's, it's typically the approach that we take and we're trying to help people to create, uh, sub segments. So if you're familiar with, with, uh, X-ray, it's one of those kind of bar graph, uh, time graphs, um, that's produced and, by default, you're going to get some very um, um, broad uh, information, but the, the the ideal scenario is then to take uh, that ability and then to create sub-segments that you can understand where in your application uh, particular, uh, you know, which bits of the application may be faster or slower than others. So we, um, with the Power Tools project, are helping to 
to be able to, to scope that and produce sub-segments more easily around you know, particular functions. So you can add an annotation to a function and automatically create a, a custom sub-segment. I think uh, X-Ray supports the open tracing format behind the scenes because very, very similar to span IDs and stuff uh, like that. And I think your uh, sub-segment, sub-segment is like uh, a span. So what happens in uh, plain Java outside the cloud, so you, you can have with one annotation called traced, you can influence whether you would like to have a sub-segment or span for a method. So you have, you know, the entry point and then, you know, sub-method, 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 so it's more granular. And this is, I think, what you are doing, that you can say, okay, uh, I would like to see also this method as an individual timeline or whatever it's called in, in X-Ray, right? Yeah, so if you were using X-Ray, just, just the plain Java SDK, mm -hmm. you would have, uh, you know, an X-Ray object and you would say, you know, create sub-segment, start, stop, um, and what we've done is we've we've uh, you know made that easier by encapsulating that within a within an annotation. Mm -hmm. So instead of having all that extra code in your in each of your functions that you want to create a span for or a, or a subsegment, you know you add the annotation and it will be uh, done automatically for you. We'll just we'll just capture the the start and stop. Okay, and um, this is great. What I also noticed is that um, if you would like to have a segment, you call it, or span between Lambda calls. Let's say you have a Lambda and Kinesis and another Lambda. Sometimes it works out of the box and sometimes you have to do something about that, right? So, which was annoying at the beginning. It's like, hey, what? Uh, I'm in the cloud. I expect, you know, everything to, to happen magically and, and now I have to do something about that. And um, you also have support for that? No, so there's not much we can do about that. So if, if a AWS service does not support X-Ray, then unfortunately you do get breaks mm -hmm. in the in the tracing so you will get you know a section of of the system that is connected and then there'll be a break and then there'll be another okay. section of the system something that we're always looking to improve and you know we're always uh, listening to customer feedback and we'll we're trying to we're trying to do as much as we can with with what we can and and prioritize the services that are most uh, used so but you know, you if you look back, X-Ray was added for EventBridge recently. But what you could do, you could actually pass, you know, the ID with the message, whatever the service has, and on the other side, you could parse that and start this pen again, right? So this could be done by Power Tools. Yes, yes, we, yes, we could. It would be uh, a bit of in, a bit of effort, but that's an interesting idea. We should we should have a look at that. So I'm not I'm not entirely sure how much we would need to, to do, but that's an interesting idea. I wonder if we could if we could bring that to, to customers. I had to I had to do this back in time because with JMS we had the same problem, right? The messages are yes. back and forth yeah. and you have and JMS server were not aware of uh of uh, open tracing or or Jaeger. Yeah. So I immediately and, thought and that, in, mm -hmm. and in the same way um the, with logging we have added um some functionality within the tracing uh, tool to allow you to automatically add um, exceptions. So if you have an exception in your code, that will automatically get uh, added to the to the X-ray uh, call, so that when you look back at the um, thread of execution in X-ray, you'll be able to have uh, the full uh, Java stack trace as part of the error section of the of uh, X-ray. 
And again, you can always add your own annotations to, to X-ray traces as well. So if we go back to the, the, the scenario for logging, you know, you could add customer ID or customer order. And again, you can search for X-ray traces associated to a particular customer or a particular order. So if you found that, you know, one customer is consistently having a bad experience, then you can go find the traces and, and maybe there's, there's some hunting that you can do from that information. What we also had to do in some projects, we even opened sometimes the trace, I mean the true trace, not uh, X-ray trace, in the browser, you know, to track the entire experience. So uh, we say, okay, uh, the user has a you know, web component, calls a fetch method. So we, we, we captured the ID, send it to server, and the server stored that, and then we you know the entire transaction. So uh, this, of course, a little bit... No, we, we, we could actually do this because... Uh, This the information's in the header. The header is inter uh, is, uh, you know transparently passed via the proxy API gateway proxy to the to, yeah. to let's say my my world Corcus, and we get the header injected. So there is nothing to do. So we just completely transparent, and then we could use Lambda Power tools, you know, to to open a new segment. So I would get the complete yeah. traceability from client. Yeah, just interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'd uh, love, to, love to work with you on that and uh, let's see if we can try it out. Yeah, and um, another thing is what uh, you're logging. Um, let's say if Lambda calls Lambda, regardless what's in between, the CloudWatch logs, would I recognize the entire transaction? You know, because every Lambda has a dedicated log. But what I could do, this is what uh, usually X-Ray does or open tracing. This is what I get from my clients. Uh, also, even outside Lambda, they ask me always, you know, if there are multiple microservices and one microservice uh, calls the other, you know, can we recognize the business transaction which flows, you know, between the yes, microservices? That's that's really interesting. Yeah. So a correlation idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this is a feature that's in Python, in the Python version of Power Tools, but we don't yet have it oh. uh, as part of the Java Power Tools. So you, you've definitely caught me out there. It would be something that we should uh, we should probably add uh, now, especially now that you've mentioned that. I should probably look into doing that. That's impossible because the you know the Python developers are a lot slower than Java's. They have, have no to care <laughs> about about the formatting. You know, we have uh, our own yeah. formatter, so we should be faster actually. So just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, yeah, that's yeah. a very good point. Yeah, having having uh, and the the way that that's been implemented is that for each specific event. Uh, maybe you've got an API gateway or, or some other some other event that's coming to Lambda. The way that it's been implemented is that um, for certain event types, they will just take the correlation ID from a from a default field from the event. So from API gateway, that might be the request ID, uh, and then that will just be automatically added as a as a correlation ID. But also, you have the ability that if you've got a you know a custom um, correlation ID that's part of your application, you can specify where in the event that correlation ID is, and it will just pull it out of the structure and, and add it to everything. One question, why some something like Lambda Power Tools? I mean, this is perfectly usable for all projects. It's not a part of the Lambda API. Why we have two projects, you know? We have the Lambda Power Tools and we have the Lambda API. Because for me, um, I mean, if I if I you know um, what I would expect from AWS, so okay, this is Java, our best practice, go ahead and, and use it, right? I, I, I maybe I know already the answer, but I'm curious what. Yeah, I, 
I guess we 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 like um, AWS is a very experimental uh, business, and this is a experiment, um, and we are we are looking at how we can best serve uh, customer demand, um, uh, and this is this is a way that we could get started really quickly. Look at the problems that customers are having, which is you know adapting to maybe a different uh, model of programming. And, you know, maybe in the future it will be part of, um, you know, the Lambda, mm-hmm. the Lambda API and, and, and more integrated. But at the moment, it's very easy for us to get started and to, to distribute something like this and to gather feedback. And yeah, hopefully, you know, if it's successful enough, then that might be the case. You're right. Uh, this was unfair because uh, this is a young project, <laughs> right? So it was like yes. uh, one year old, and Alamda is seven years old, old eight years, so it's an yes. older one. So um, yeah, but then I, you know, um, this is more like an incubator, right? Yeah, absolutely. So you know, if I look at the Lambda um, programming model, if I look at something like the context object, you can get the Lambda logger from the context object. Mm-hmm. Well, wouldn't it be fantastic if you could get the metrics exactly. logger from the context object? This was my thing. So I would really, yeah, yeah. I would really like that. And then, you know, it would be very easy for me to produce metrics uh, and produce EMF-style metrics uh, without having to think about all these other, you know, different libraries that, you know, if I don't know about, then I don't know how to use them. Absolutely, I'm. I mean, I'm in total agreement. Okay, perfect. So, what uh, what you also have is Power Tools Cloud Formation, which is interesting because, uh, yeah, you know what, what's about yeah, that. Yeah, so, so this is probably pretty specific. So, in Cloud Formation, you can call something um, which is called a custom resource, mm-hmm. and it's just a little bit of a, of a again an awkward API. So, we have produced um, a specialized handler. So that you can you can you know not have to worry about the kind of uh, the weirdness of, of working with cloud formation. So you receive an object and do the work on it, and it'll automatically do some of the processing for you. So it's probably not as widely used as some of the other modules, but it's a pain to do. And again, we want to reduce the the friction for for programmers. So wherever we see something that is used. Over and over again in the same sort of way, we want to we reduce the effort for everyone out there. It's a great news because it's one of the killer features. What I need uh, sometimes. What is the killer <laughs> use case for a custom resource in your case? Can can you can? can... Uh, it is it is the it is the the thing that people go to when they need something that they can't do in any I, other way. I can tell you, <laughs> to my knowledge, it is impossible with cloud formation or CDK. To generate SSH keys for EC2 machine, for instance. Um, so I have thought of already creating, you know, a, a custom resource for CDK just to automate that. This is not always needed because usually I use the uh, how it's called, you know, the secure way to connect without SSH keys. Um, I forgot the name. It's like the WebSocket connection, which is very secure. Yeah. Uh, how it's called? Uh, session manager. System manager, yeah. session manager. This is the official yeah. name. So you don't need the SSH keys. But for the SSH keys, uh, I already thought a bit my own custom resource, and it was okay. But there's no. Then I will just call the SDK directly, create the SSH keys, keys and I have them. But with uh, the Power Tools project, I will absolutely use that. You know, this would be yeah, this this yeah, this, this would change my past actually. Have a, have a look and see if uh, see if that would or how you would change your code. Mm-hmm. 
Um, very good. So what we, what we also have is um, Power Tools SQS is another one. Yeah, so there's a couple of SQS uh, use cases that we wanted to look at here. So there is a Java client library called um, the Extended Client Library for SQS. And mm -hmm. it's also available for SNS as well now. Mm -hmm. So SNS and SQS have a file size limit mm -hmm. uh, to what messages you can send. And that always comes uh, in up in customer conversations that, you know, maybe they're integrating with a partner and a partner can't guarantee the size of the message. Mm. And there's always, um, you know, a tentative, um, you know, acceptance or, or worry there. So what the extended client library does for SQS and SNS is it backs off that data to S3 oh, okay. and instead replaces the, the message with a pointer to S3. And then when that message is, is picked up on, on the consumer side, then it knows to download from S3, uh, replace the information in, uh, in the in the message and then to the to the consumer it's it's uh, invisible and the consumer doesn't know that that message has been um uh, retrieved from s3 um and we wanted to bring the same functionality to, to lambda we want lambda customers uh to be able to do that sort of transparent uh, retrieval um whether they're using lambda or fargate or or some other mechanism but that's a little bit more difficult because customers don't have access to how uh, Lambda retrieves information from SQS. There's no way of, of adding a, you know, an additional hook there. So what we've done in Power Tools is, again, produce another annotation that if you annotate uh, the handler with uh, SQS large message, that it will know that you could be retrieving large messages from S3, and it will do that on your behalf and then it will inject the payload into the SQS event. So again, uh, to the programmer, it's completely invisible whether that was or was not ever retrieved from S3. This is an excellent idea, actually. This is not... Uh, a, a, for me, it would be even a best practice. I mean, uh, you know, if you have a message, you know, to put it in S3, it just transport, you know, the raw message with the ID to the S3 object uh, could be... Uh, yeah, why should I know? send Excel via via Lambda yeah. if I can store it, you know, in S3. And uh, if something breaks, it's even, you know, I can I can uh, repeat the transaction even. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it really comes down to, you know, the specific use case. Obviously, there are going to be some use cases where people don't want to, um, you know, have the additional cost of storage. But then again, yeah, absolutely. There are going to be some use cases where that information is really valuable. Uh -huh. And again, we, we allow customers to either um, um, delete uh, the information from S3 after it's been used or to retain it there. So again, it's it's uh, we give people the flexibility that we, we think most commonly will be used, but we we default things to you know the sensible defaults. So you don't have to you know understand all of the configuration just to start. Pretty useful, so SQS. So I'm really already. Uh... Just waiting until our session is over, you know, to uh, to, to to try it out. <laughs> oh, fantastic! And um, yeah, yeah. so, power tool tracing, I think, those are the X-ray thing, right? And validation yeah. is another one. Yes, 
So validation, often what happens is that you have a business object with inside a Amazon object. So again, let's think about uh, SQS. So often within an SQS object, uh, you will have your business object. The, the body of an SQS event will probably be you know, your business object, whether that is a, a request for an order or a request for you know mm-hmm. who knows what. So we allow you to validate that that business object, which is inside of uh, an AWS uh, wrapper, um, so that you can just you know do this validation uh, easier and quicker. So we use um, um, JSON schema to do that validation mm. using the um, uh, JE JM ES path the Jackson library. Um, and yeah, hopefully it's just another another a very common task that people do that's just made a bit easier. Actually, great news. And um, if I look at the uh, power tools, um, I immediately you know, took a look at um, at the POM XML. And uh, what I didn't like at all was the um, aspect uh, weaver. But I now understand why. Because uh, why not? You know, this AOP was really big, at least in Germany. So I had always, you know, I was asked why I'm not using AOP. But for me, it was pointless. If I have my Java E application servers, they already did security, you know, transactions, monitoring. There was like invisible aspects. I never had, you know, to write and my my own aspects. And uh, and I had no idea. No, as on still, uh, I don't see any, you know, business aspects because they're really hard to implement something uh, with business Absolutely. logic. But I understood right right why because i guess you are using bytecode weaving so you know to not to use reflection so you are using aspects for performance was for me is the, the the first <laughs> the first usable use case of aspects actually <laughs> yeah absolutely and you know uh you know i've always been a a business programmer i've always wrote, wrote uh, written uh, business programming mm-hmm. so for me it was a very very big jump to to, to write uh, functions for frameworks mm-hmm. and for, for frameworks for other developers to use, so it is, it is a big a big change, and it is definitely outside of um, what I was used to programming. But it makes absolute sense, um, and it, it really helps us to produce, um, you know, to do those actions before and after a lambda function uh, is called, mm-hmm. and it's a really efficient way for us to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it's taking, you know, the burden is on us to produce these these tools that hopefully just make your lives a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it isn't the the most fun style of programming uh, in my in my eyes. Yeah, of I course. Yeah. Of I get a lot of satisfaction from from the feedback that we get from customers. Um, and yeah, reducing the amount of code that people have to write. So I would say. Absolutely okay for you to write ugly code if it's fast, you know. This is the lambda yeah. <laughs> lambda reality, I yeah. would say. Yeah, absolutely. So it was a you know something that we always knew that we wanted to do, um, and it's, it's always been that way. Perfect. So it was uh, interesting and nice conversation. Actually, I planned you know to to talk with you about more serverless architectures, but uh, this was even <laughs> more useful and interesting. So I would say the next next time we can focus more on you yeah, know serverless lambda right. and uh, you know event bridge and all the interesting stuff right yeah and you'll be able to tell me your experience of power tools and give me some give me some honest feedback yeah can't wait thank you a lot bye for now